Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. We are talking March Madness, and as many of you know from listening to the show over the years, I love the tournament. I truly do. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love the game theory day that goes with it, the general public being interested in sports, even if they aren't sports fans, you know, the passion of cheering on your alma mater for some folks, and Honestly, just the sheer joy and heartbreak that goes with the tournament with uh, it comes down to these players because, you know, again, many of them will never get to this level of stress and achievement the rest of their lives. And I'd like not to sound dour about it, but that's just it. it you know, a lot of what's on the line here in uh, the NCAA tournament for these guys, this is the peak of their athletic careers. They're not going to the pros. Uh, you know, some guys will, but, you know, for many, this is the end of the line. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I always love the spectacle of March Madness and following the games and following how the tournament wraps up because every tournament has a story. There's always some uh, wrinkle or turn that you didn't expect last year it came down to just North Carolina finding a spark that no one like really saw coming and made it all the way to the championship game and was you know a couple like a second half away of just kind of buttoning down a large lead from winning a national title that's how close it was you know, UNC was that close to winning a national title, and obviously we, we know how the game worked out with Kansas making a ridiculous rally down double digits in the second half uh, to uh, make the comeback. You know, obviously everyone thought UNC was going to be in the mix this year and uh, spectacularly flamed out, <laughs> bringing back many of the starters. It just did not work out, but... We're not here to talk about the teams that aren't here. We're here to talk about the teams that uh, made it to the dance. So, you know, before we go into each region, I'm just going to kind of lay out how the next couple of days will go for folks. I'm going to break down each region individually uh, per episode. And then, you know, I'll probably give uh, some last-minute thoughts uh, ahead of Thursday's uh, tip-offs. Uh, once uh, everything is finalized, because obviously we have the playing game uh, 
uh, tournament uh, coming up on Tuesday. So, you know, more to come. But realistically, from my standpoint, I always like doing this overview just to kind of walk folks through what I look when I go back through my process of figuring out how to, how I want to set up brackets, what uh, you should be looking to do, and just questions you should be asking of yourself and uh, how you're going to uh, uh, build out your bracket. doesn't always work, but it does put you in the best spot, in my opinion, of trying to maximize the value of your picks and how you want to construct your bracket. So... Without much further ado, let's get right down to my best practices for any time you uh, fill out an NCAA bracket for a pool. First, off the bat, got to know your format. I-, I-, I cannot stress this enough. I always tell folks this, and people think it's like, oh, Dwayne, you-, you-, you sound like a broken record, but like, uh, you know, but it- I can't tell you how many times people screw this up. You got to know your pool format. The scoring format matters. You know, just because you make one pick uh, and you get an upset doesn't mean that much if the pick value is just getting it right or wrong. You know, in pool formats, you need to know the scoring format. Is it one point per round? Is it two points uh, in certain rounds? Do, does it double? Does it go to the one, two, four, six? 8, 16, 32? Is it more of a 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13 format? Like, there are different scoring formats for NCAA pools. And you, from the outset, you should read the instructions of your pool format to know how many points you're going to get per round. If you're getting fewer points as the tournament goes on, you're better off being way more conservative with your pool uh allocations and selections because every missed pick you make in that bracket because you're trying to go for a ton of upsets means that you have fewer points to try to catch up on down the line if you aren't getting any value out of the seed or upset at points uh, for an underdog winning again you need to be more conservative with your pick selection because if you get that pick wrong, there really aren't that many avenues for you to make back up those points down the line as you advance further into the bracket pool. Yeah, you might get the champion right, but you could be boxed out by any number of individuals because they got enough picks right in the early rounds. And because of the scoring format, if you didn't get more bonuses for certain upsets, you're not going to catch up to them. You're boxed out. So, again, I know this sounds like a broken record every year, but I see people screw it up every year. So I'm just going to say it again. Know your scoring format because every pool you enter should have all their uh, rules and scoring format listed out as to what points you get per round, if you get any bonus points, if you get any upset points, if you're... Lose points if you get a pick wrong. That's another format uh, that gets popular as well. You need to understand exactly how that works. Because if you don't, you could be in a world of hurt. Because you could put in 
for a large uh, sum of money in certain brackets, and you're saying, I'm playing this one master bracket in every single contest I'm in. I don't care. I, I feel good about these picks. And that bracket might do well in certain contests, and it might get absolutely dusted in others. And if those other contests are your high-dollar uh, brackets, guess what? You're going to be in a world of hurt by the end of the tournament because you're completely out of running. You're wondering where the, where the heck you went wrong. You got to know your format. It's just that simple. I cannot stress that enough. Next up, got to have an idea of how many people are in your tournament. I mean, you can eyeball it. Uh, just to kind of see how many folks are going to be in there. Uh, if you're uh, playing local bars uh, uh, for NCAA tournament info, uh, you could ch- kind of check their website. Uh, they usually kind of give you some type of feedback. You know, if you're not sure and it's just like one of those pen and paper deals, you know, just kind of think about like how many people. Go to a, a local bar every night and 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 sit down. Uh, if it's a popular bar, you're probably going up against thousands and thousands of people. So you should probably just have that in the back in your head, uh, just how many folks you're competing against. Other formats, if it's an office pool, technically you're probably only going up against maybe 50 to 100 people. It's going to be relatively small. If you're going into a large alumni pool, t- technically you'll probably be going up against several thousand people uh, in a given year uh, for a bracket pool. So you got to have an idea of the pool size because I I say this because just similar to the scoring format argument, if your pool size is significantly large, it greatly diminishes your chances the more conservative you play. So I know some of you are saying, well, Dwayne, you just contradicted yourself. You just said, you have to be more conservative based on a certain scoring format. Yes, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is if the scoring format is also conservative, but you are playing with thousands upon thousands of people, then it's 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 the counter argument where okay, I have a very slim chance to win this pool because of how many thousands of entries there are so I should be even more aggressive with the picks because if I actually hit those picks then I'm going to box out a bunch of other folks it's a catch 22 you have to kind of be able to bear in mind the different formats but also the pool size and again it's not the easiest thing in the world, but these are some of the basic questions you should be asking yourself. Because if you're just trying to apply one bracket strategy to the same size pool or scoring format, more often than not, you're going to be up against it. it it's it's really it kind of comes down to you have to ask yourself certain questions as you start entering some of these pools to give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. It really doesn't get more complicated than that. I'm going to go through some more uh, tips and tricks, but we're going to take a quick commercial break for the sponsors, and then we'll come right back after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. 
The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. We'll be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. In terms of what you should be thinking about in terms of your bracket construction, if you will, is, again, I talked about uh, the pool format, the size of the format, but in terms of the individual picks, again, if you're looking to win a larger pool, realistically, you're going to need to get at least 50 games correct. And even on the low end of uh, the 50, maybe you might, in some pools, if it's a smaller pool, you can get away with uh, the mid-40s. But realistically, once you get over 100 entries, your chances of winning, if you don't get at least 50 picks right, is pretty slim. The reason why I say this is that you're picking winners in 63 games. So, you know, with that margin, you're going to miss about at least a a dozen or so games off the bat. And most of those are going to come in the first round, just because you're picking the most games in that first round. So I wouldn't necessarily be going too crazy about missing the early picks. But the reason why I did mention not going too crazy with the upset picks is... Again, you have to uh, get the majority of the later round picks correct. So, by and large, you're trying to nail down the Sweet 16 so that you're getting at least at least 12 uh, of the Sweet 16. If you're not getting at least 12, you're up uh, you're going to be up against it in terms of your overall pick. So that's the reason why, in terms of picking a ton of upsets, yeah, you might get that first upset correct. Is your Cinderella, do you have your Cinderella going past the next round? Because if you don't, you know, maybe that works out. But if that favorite wins and the matchup is still favorable in the next round for the overall favorite that you expected to go out, then you're two picks down. So, Again, that's where I kind of look at it where you got to be selective in terms of what you're looking to do. So if you're uh, trying to commit to a Cinderella, you may need to commit to that Cinderella the the following matchup as well. Because if you get it wrong, it's two picks in the hole. If you get it right and you somehow get your Cinderella uh, up, again, yeah, that's the leverage spot that you're looking for. But... I always preface this with know your scoring format. If you know your scoring format, it'll kind of give lean you in the direction of do I need to be more aggressive in terms of the pick allocation that I'm doing? Especially when you get into uh, the formats where you're multiplying the round by the seed. In those formats, you're definitely going to be trying to be more contrarian and focus on some of the higher double-digit seeds that you think have a chance to pull it off an upset just because of the multiples involved uh, 
with some of those higher seeds. They're just too valuable. So again, broken record, but format, size of pool, and then those early rounds, how you're going to handle it. So as I said, you're looking to, if you're looking to uh, win a larger pool, you're looking to get at least 50 picks correct. But the key determining factor, you got to get the Elite Eight right. If you are off on the Elite Eight picks, realistically, you need at least six. If you don't have at least six Elite Eight picks correct, your chances of winning a pool are very, very slim. Unless it's a very shallow uh, pool mix uh, with a lot of uh, homogeneous picks where everyone's kind of on the same team. Um, Again, because of the point allocation... It gets very easy to get boxed out the later you go in uh, uh, in the tournament because of most scoring formats. Now, again, if it's a smaller for, uh, pool format where the later rounds don't mean as much because the uh, uh, point uh, per value don't, uh, doesn't uh, uh, double each round, then you, you have a more latitude for error. Although, again, I would always preface this, when you don't get the Elite Eight correct, it puts you in a really tough spot where then you're relying on having a unique overall national champion winner uh, to pull yourself ahead of teams, because if you don't, you're going to get boxed out uh, at the end. So, um, you know, just food for thought in terms of how you're building out, but realistically... You're trying to get over 50 wins. You're trying to get the Sweet 16 pretty close. And you're trying to nail down the Elite Eight. So you're getting in that seven. Or if you got all Elite Eight picks correct, you're in pretty good shape in your pool. Now, one thing that I will say, and again, this kind of goes into knowing your pool size, but also kind of knowing the competition. If you're in a alumni pool or friends pool and you know going in just how much of a homer they may be for a particular school or trend take advantage of that if you know uh that they're gonna be heavy on say duke uh maybe you might or the that vast majority of the pool is gonna be on yukon or they're gonna be uh or if it's an alabama alumni pool association yeah do, do you want to be the guy that goes against the alma mater? You try not to. But if you know everyone's going to be a homer and pick <laughs> your alma mater, A, if you if you don't have the girds that at least deviate, then why are you playing the pool in the first place? You're trying to win the uh you're trying to win the pool contest. Obviously, you're cheering for your school. But if you know everyone's going to be picking a certain national champion, fade that champion at certain uh, critical junctures, and you get way different than the rest of the field. You don't necessarily have to be as correct. You just are technically shorting uh, the overall favor that people are going to be going towards, and then you can kind of pick on some of the more popular teams that uh, people are going to be looking at in this tournament, like a Houston. Now, I'm not. I'll go into the each uh, individual regions, but it it's more food for thought if you know. Uh, a certain school is going to be well represented in a particular tournament. You got to get off of the school. You, you, you know, yeah, the, 
sometimes fading the chalk uh, is uh, not the way to go. But, again, because of how much the national champion is worth, if you know everyone's going to be on a particular national champion, just getting different from that, the national champion pick puts you further ahead of the rest of the pool that, again, it's game theory. You're trying to be different but not actually have to commit as many resources to get different if the, if you follow what I'm going along with. You you can be mirror the field but just deviate in that overall champion mix and at least get you into a different spot than the bulk of the field that you're competing against. So again, kind of knowing the pool format and some of the participants, critical information. That way you kind of get out ahead of things and you put yourself in a better spot from uh, just a, a percentage standpoint. It'll give you a little bit more of an edge to uh, try to win pool. Now, again, this doesn't mean you're going to win your pool every year. But if you follow some of the habits that I'm talking about here, it at least puts you in a better position, especially uh, the larger the pool goes. Final piece. If you have the ability to uh, play multiple entries, take advantage of it. It's, at least I'll say for me, it's better for you to be able to play multiple entries in one pool than play the same entry in three different pools. The reason why I say this is that you can play different game scripts as to how you think certain uh, matchups are going to go, and at least gives you an option to kind of pivot and do a couple of different things with certain brackets where some of the matchups may not align the same way and you may be heavier on a certain team. But if you want to uh, do some leverage to make sure that you're not uh, over levered to a particular team in case they go down, you can take on another bracket in that same pool where you have that uh, your favor going out early. And at least it gives you another option and pathway of getting a little bit different with your build-outs. Because if you're just building that one game script, if the game script does not align with how the tournament's shaping up, and maybe there's an injury, maybe there's a, just a, a, you know, a bad game and they get knocked out, like have a bad shooting night, it happens. Especially in this tournament where you've got a bunch of teams and I mean a bunch of teams with holes in their game. Uh, that's why you saw so much uh, turnover in the uh, in the top uh, top three seats because of the fact that most of the teams in the top three have lost multiple times when they were in the top five this year. There is just a lot of deviation that can uh, crop up because of the fact that these teams have glaring uh, holes. Because of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of parity in uh, the NCAA this year. Because of the transfer portal and some of the other uh, items that went on, there's going to be upsets this year. Now, how many upsets? That's that's left to be determined. We're going to dive into that further. But you should be thinking about different scenarios of how your bracket can succeed. If you can think about different pathways, and if the matchups can make sense, you're putting yourself in that 
advantageous of a position as you can heading into the tournament. So that's going to do it for me. Obviously, we're going to start doing the breakdowns by each region, but I want to put the idea in you guys' heads of how you should be looking at each one of your brackets because certain brackets should go in certain pools. And again, know your format, have a general idea of your pool size, and if you can get an inkling as to what some of your competitors are going to do in that pool, that gives you even more incentive to try to deviate from the script a bit uh, to get a little bit different, and they'll put you out ahead of some of your competition if, if you can get things to break your way. Obviously, within reason, because you don't want to call, uh, you don't want to be too different. And then, uh, you know, and it got away from the game script of what you were planning to do anyway. You, you there's a balance, but as I say, the more you think through, think it through, the more some of those uh, uh, build concepts or brackets will make sense. All right. Best of luck, everyone. More to come for the NCAA tournament uh, with the upcoming episodes. But uh, have a good night, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.